Welcome to Wisdom's Table with Rachel Wardman. You should know this podcast will cause you to grow. We go deep on all kinds of topics related to the Christian life, leadership, relationships, business, and so on. Listening to this episode just might be the best part of your day, so let's get started. back to Wisdom's Table. Welcome. I'm so thankful that you came back. Welcome to all of you who are listening for the first time and a huge special thank you to those of you guys who have come back after listening to a previous episode. That means so much. So we're in a three-week series talking about my newest book, The Expansion Mandate, peeling back behind the scenes, looking at some additional bonus content and exploring what it looks like in a conversational manner. So I'm excited about today's episode. Last week, we talked about the promises of God, and today we're talking about the processes of God. Because I think by now, you probably know God has a system. He has a process. He has a rhythm that he uses to interact with us. And we really don't get to choose what that rhythm is. Now, it is broad and it is slightly tailored to your personality, your season of life, some of those types of things. God is so good at making sure you can go through the process and succeed. But he does have a system. He has a process in place. And in the book, The Expansion Mandate, my newest book, which is available on Amazon, or if you want to buy it on my website, rachelwartman.com. You can buy with a 15% off code using the code INSIDER15. But we're talking about these four battles that the book covers, the battle for the promise, the battle to the promise, the battle at the promise, and the battle in the promise. And today we're going to focus on the battle to the promise because this is where most Christians stall out. This is the process where most of us, if we're going to lose our way, it's going to be here at this phase of the process. And this is nothing new to the Lord. You know, we talked last week a lot about understanding, and we talked the first episode about understanding as well. And it's so important to understand what God is doing to the best of our ability. Now, let's just be real for a second. There's no way to always understand. The Lord loves to hide things in mystery. He absolutely loves to be a little bit cryptic, but he doesn't do it to our detriment. So the mystery is never to our detriment if we will continue to seek him. So what does the Bible say? If you seek first, if you seek me, you will find me. That's what the Bible says, right? So when God appears to be hiding from us, which is not really the exact representation, but that is how it feels. When God appears to be hiding from us, if we stop seeking, we're not going to find him. But if we continue to seek, we will find him. We'll find the understanding. We'll find the blessing. We'll find, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I'm kidding about that one. Um, But it is true that we do have to keep moving forward towards the Lord. Otherwise we get lost in the weeds. And the second battle, the battle to the promise is exactly that. When we look at Israel's story of coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land, we see her journey into the desert, right? And you may have heard this before, but the distance to walk from where they parted the Red Sea to Jericho when they marched around seven times, it was an 11 day walk. That's it. 11 days. And it took the Israelites 40 years. Now you guys, I hope to God, there's never something in my life that cost me 40 years time. I pray that I can participate with the Lord to where I can avoid a 40 year, you know, redemption sentence. 
it's important for us to partner with what God is doing because we don't get to move ahead if we don't go through. A lot of times our American mindset tells us that we can have it anyway, right? We can just have what we want anyway. Even if the Lord is still trying to do something at step one, we can have step 10. But that's not true. The kingdom of God doesn't work that way. The Lord moves us through his process, and he doesn't move beyond the part where he has us at. I used to say all the time when I was a pastor, I would say, you have to do the thing the Lord is calling you to do. You have to to like do the healing he wants you to heal in this moment. You have to do, you know, say yes to the where he has his hand on your life right now. Because when we try to move beyond what the Lord is doing, that's where we end up getting out of sync, right? So in the battle to the promise, this is where we look at Israel in the wilderness. You cannot convince me that God ever intended on Israel to be stuck in the desert for 40 years. I do not believe that. I think it was going to be somewhere around maybe like a year or two. I don't think it was going to be a straight 11-day journey. The Lord knew I got to get some mentality out of them. I got to get them you know, ready for, for what this next phase is going to be. But I don't think it was ever supposed to be 40 years. But because the people were so adamant to resist what God was trying to do in their life, he had no other option. Now today, because of the cross, sometimes, and some of us have other options, right? The Holy Spirit is now inside of us, helping prompt us and convict us and and encourage us to make the choices that we need to be making with the Lord to participate in that journey. So there are slight differences, but that being said, we all are going to go through this process of wilderness. Every single person is going to go through at least once, maybe multiple journeys through a wilderness. Even Jesus had to go through the wilderness. And the thing about the wilderness is it typically comes on the heels of a really amazing moment. So in the book, we talk about how you come out of that first battle feeling called, gifted, chosen, anointed, set apart, ready, and you go straight into this desert. It's the same thing that happened for Jesus. Jesus gets baptized and God's voice starts booming and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. It wasn't a dove, but everybody thought, what is that? It looks kind of like a dove. And a voice out of heaven said, behold, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The voice of God stamped the identity of Jesus onto him and everybody at that riverbank heard it. And then Jesus goes straight into that, straight from that into a 40 day wilderness time where it is challenging. He's being tempted. He's being mocked. He's got a spirit of accusation coming against him saying, is that really what God said? So if Jesus had to go through that don't you think you will too? Do you think you could be exempt if Jesus wasn't? That's kind of how I liken it. That's how I think about it. When we are in the process to the promise, we are being revealed. But here's the thing, and this is why God is so amazing. He only reveals when he's ready to heal. Like you and I, we've got a lot of things going on inside of us that are not great. We've got stuff that the Lord would like to redeem. And he seems to be okay with it until a specific time. And then he'll start saying, okay, this is a problem. It's got to go. And you know why? It's because he will wait to reveal it to you until he's ready to heal it because he's such a good dad and he wants you to win. He wants you to have victory. So this wilderness process that we go through, this battle to the promise is where we are stripped of all of these things that are going to hurt us when we arrive where God is taking us. Listen, friends. I've been a part of watching people experience abundance and financially. Let's just talk about that. 
in a lot of ways. And you know what's interesting? If you don't have a healthy infrastructure in your heart, abundance will kill you. If you have unhealthy habits and and patterns in your life, when blessing comes to you, it's actually hurtful. Here's what's interesting. The Bible actually has a couple of verses that talk about the blessing of God in this way. Um, One of them is in Romans chapter 12. And Paul says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. What does that mean? When you experience goodness, true, pure goodness in the midst of doing something wrong, it is a punishment. It is a challenge. When God allows blessing to to fall on somebody who's not ready, it almost always destroys them. So he will go to great lengths to refine your character and help you in the process of who you're becoming so that when you receive the thing you've been praying for, it blesses you instead of cursing you, instead of hurting you. We have to trust that when the Lord is bringing stuff up in our life, it's intentional. And if we don't allow him to do that work, if we end up finding a way to the promised land without being stripped of everything that's going to hurt us, we will wish we had done the process better when we get there. I've seen it so many times. Somebody goes, I want this promotion, and they do everything they can to get that promotion except the character development and then they get their that promotion and it destroys them. It hurts them. It hurts their family. The pressure kills them. What God is doing in you has to be done to build you into the kind of person who can effortlessly do that thing he's called you to. I love goal setting. I love thinking about goals. I love thinking about the future. I'm a very future-oriented person. And what I know is when I dream about the future, I always assume that I can do all of those things that I dream. <laughs> When I dream about the future, like here's an example. I have this dream of doing the run Disney half marathon. I'm, I like Disney World. I'm, I enjoy going. I think it's a lot of fun. And I just think that would be a really cool experience, except that I don't enjoy running long distance. I actually was a cross country runner when I was in high school. And that's kind of enough for me. I, I don't I just I don't like it. I would walk it. But who wants to spend like seven hours? I don't know how long it t- takes to walk a half marathon. I imagine it takes like seven hours. So I don't really want to do that. So I have this conflict because I see clips on Instagram or whatever of run Disney events. And I'm like, Oh, that would be so fun. I could do that. But if I showed up tomorrow to make that dream a reality, I would be in a lot of pain. I don't run. I do work out, but I don't run. My lungs would be hurting. My hamstrings would be hurting. And I would be not able to post any of the pictures because I would look like I was dying. This is a great, silly example of what I'm talking about here, that the process is so important so that when you fulfill that dream, you can fulfill it standing tall with a smile on your face as a blessing to you. When we think about, okay, I would wish I had, you know, this much money, but we're not preparing now the infrastructure of discipline to, you know, invest well and spend our money well and all of that. Just because you have more in your bank account doesn't mean that you'll be able to keep it. It doesn't mean that you'll be able to steward it. You have to learn the process. And this is what the battle to the promise is all about. But here's the key. It doesn't have to take a really long time, but typically what I've noticed is it takes about two to three years. It takes a little while to really get the character stuff in because character is not about what you believe. That's what battle one is about. Character is about what you do, right? 
What we believe doesn't always shape our actions. I believe that French fries are not healthy for you, but I do still eat them. I believe certain things that I don't do. And this is why character is so important because character is the proof that we can do the thing that we say we believe. And when we have gotten our character in line and when we've built the right disciplines and the right infrastructure, then we can move forward knowing that we can sustain the weight. Let me give it to you in a business example. My husband and I, we built a, a real estate brokerage. We launched it in 2017, I think. And um, the first year we intentionally, he, he really did not want to expand very much. We had about five or six friends and then a couple of their friends that had come over. So about nine agents to begin with. And we intentionally kept it small. We didn't take anybody new because we were learning what it means to be a real estate broker. There's a lot of liability for it. And he was like, I, I want to make sure that I know what I'm doing before I go out and recruit. So he kept it small, turned some people away. And then about eight, nine months in, he's like, okay, I, I feel like I've got enough under my belt. You guys, what happened in the next three years was crazy. Not only did we start expanding, but we ended up growing to, I think, 300 agents in the first couple of years. Every single year we were doubling or more than doubling and for the first couple of years. And it was wild because as we exploded in growth, our systems did not mature from that first year phase. So about year three, we realized our systems are not able to sustain this business. We have grown so far beyond what our infrastructure can hold. So we had to hire new people. We had to develop new systems. We had to organize better. And we spent a year, again, not recruiting for the specific purpose of building the infrastructure so we could continue to scale beyond. If it happens like that in business, don't you think it happens internally for you as well? I'm telling you, the Lord wants great things for your life. He wants great things for your life, but he knows that when those great things come to you, you will have to be strong enough to hold them. So here's my honest, challenging question to you. Are you actually strong enough now? And what needs to be incorporated for you to be able to be that strong? What needs to change in your life right now so that you could become the kind of person who could fulfill those goals? What I'm doing, I, I coach entrepreneurs and when I'm coaching them, a lot of times we'll talk about their goals and I'll tell them, okay, if you already were the kind of person who could fulfill these goals and accomplish them, you already would be. So what in your life needs to adjust so that you can become that person who effortlessly accomplishes these things? It, you know why I talk about that? Because that's what God does in the process. That's what he's doing. Become the kind of woman or the kind of man who knows the word of God. Become the kind of person who knows how to pray. Become the kind of person who regularly attends a church that's life-giving because you're a part of a community. Become the kind of person who, do you see what I'm saying? The kind of person who is a strong man or woman of God that can hold the things the Lord wants to bring. Let me say one more thing about this. You know, when we partner with God for increase and expansion, it is a spiritual war. It is a spiritual assault. I should put it that way. Bringing heaven's ways to earth, having that Matthew prayer, you know, on earth as it is in heaven and being an ambassador that participates in advancing the kingdom. When we do that, it is um, threatening to the enemy. And you will experience times where there is spiritual warfare over your business, over your calling, over your family, and you need to know how to fight and win. 
right? And I'm not trying to say that we should be afraid of the enemy. I am not afraid of the enemy at all. The enemy has literally no power. The only power he has is the power we give to him. I, I don't waste any time being concerned about what the enemy wants for my life. But I also understand that there are times where he rears his little head and tries to create chaos and havoc and manipulation and issues and betrayal. I know that. I've experienced that last year as well. So we want to be the kind of people who, as we're moving forward in the kingdom, we also know how to use the weapons of our warfare, right? We know how to pray. We know how to declare. We know how to rebuke and remove the work of the enemy in our lives. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yes, 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 but you're not practically doing that, that's what the Lord's trying to do in this second battle, right? That's where he has you in this process so that all of that stuff becomes who you are because when it becomes who you are, you, my friend, become unstoppable. So let's talk about just a couple of key things that we can do to grow in this way. A couple of areas that the Lord is undoubtedly challenging you to focus on if these are present in your life. The first one is negativity. And I I don't like this. I wish this wasn't true. I am not always a positive person. I'm a realist. I'm not an optimist. Some, well, sometimes I'm an optimist, but I'm definitely not a pessimist, but I am a realist. And it is hard sometimes to not be super negative because I'm a feeler too. And sometimes my feelings are negative, but you know what I've learned? is when I allow negativity to be exalted in my mind, what I'm really doing is not trusting the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean that trusting God comes with no hardship. It definitely comes with hardship. There are definitely days where I'm going, I don't know what you're doing, Lord. This is like I'm standing on water and I'm sinking. Please reach your hand out to me. But when I allow negativity, which is agreeing with criticism, to be exalted in my mind and elevated to a place of my thinking, what I'm really doing is saying, I don't believe that God is at work in my life right now. I don't believe that the Lord is capable of coming through for me. And this is why negativity is an issue to the Lord. Complaining is another one that I so wish was not um, annoying to the Lord. <laughs> but the Bible does say don't complain. But again, why? Because it's a perspective issue. When we're complaining or when we're making excuses and we're just, you know, it's a perspective issue. We're not looking at what God can and will and wants to do in our life in this moment right now. So what does it look like to take your complaining captive? Well, it is, um, it's not easy. It's very tedious, but it is so worth it because if you can train yourself to stop complaining and start praying instead and start inviting God, for example, I have a, a person in my life right now that I'm, I'm really challenged by. Um, you know, I kind of struggle. Some days I'm totally able to see where God's hand is on their life. And other days I'm just like, what are you doing? When I want to complain and lament about, can you believe they did this? And can you believe this happened? What I'm doing is I'm saying, yeah, Lord, I don't believe that you're working in their life. So I have to stop myself and say, God, I give this person to you. I am praying that you would touch them. I pray that you would radically bless them. I pray that they would grow in the name of Jesus. I pray that all of these bad patterns that are coming to fruition, that are hurting other people, would be healed and fixed and resolved in Jesus' name. I pray you bring the right mentors into their life. Does that make sense? So instead of me just griping about them to no end and just leaving it at that, I'm turning it into a prayer opportunity. So those are two of the biggest things. There's more in the book that we talk about of things that the Lord is absolutely putting his finger on when we're in the battle to the promise. And then we move from the battle to the promise into the battle at the promise. And this is where all heck breaks loose over your life. 
When you are right there, but not quite, it is where you're going to meet intimidation. You often are going to, not always, but you're going to be challenged with rejection. The desert is going to start looking really good, but you know, you have to cross. You have to cross because if you don't, you'll end up staying in a place that was meant to refine you, not to house you. Listen, friends, the desert is not your home. The wilderness is not your home. You're not supposed to make a home there and make it comfortable. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to feel hot. It's supposed to feel dry. And you're supposed to move on. And when you do move on, something amazing is waiting for you. So come back next week and we're going to talk about what it looks like to occupy the promise that God is bringing you into as we wrap up our three-week series on the expansion mandate breakdown. I hope you've enjoyed this. See you next time.